0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the BT Powerhouse podcast. My name is Thomas Bendit. I'm the host of the podcast as always and manager of BT Powerhouse. You can always check me out on Twitter at t Bendit if you are interested in my uh, <laughs> my commentary on on uh, Big Ten sports and what have you. But we're rolling along on our, our season preview series. We're in the uh, the latter half of uh, the Big Ten now. I think we're, we're down to three or four teams left, I, I want to say, and tonight we'll be moving on to Penn State, who is probably one of the biggest wild cards in this year's Big Ten Conference. Realistically, uh, the Nittany Lions could be one of the top contenders in the league and for an NCAA tournament bid, and on the other side, uh, they also could be a, a rather underwhelming team, given their youth, their inexperience, and frankly, just the the lack of known production on the roster. So, a lot of different ways this this Penn State season could unfold. There are a lot of reasons to be optimistic. There are a lot of reasons to be concerned as well. And you know, it's an important season for the program and head coach Pat Chambers. He is preparing to enter his seventh season, which kind of amazing considering that we're already on the year seven here of the the chambers era but you know it is something to uh to keep in mind here as as we move along um I I will note as well you know the Big Ten season is kicking into gear uh, over the last few days the exhibition games are rolling along um the actual season doesn't start until next Friday so we're just over a week out, which is really cool, really exciting. Um I, I know that isn't necessarily related to Penn State specifically, but uh something something to really get excited about here. And um I, I know certainly us at, at BT Powerhouse are really pumped to get things rolling and you know we're gonna have a, a lot of coverage as far as the the season day to day stuff once the season does officially tip off next week. But to help us chat about Penn State tonight. On our our season preview, we have Eli on from Black Shoe Diaries, which is SB Nation's Penn State site. Um, How's it going, man? Doing all right. How are you? Good. Happy to have you on. I believe this is the first time we've had you on the podcast. Um, So before we we jump into the Nittany Lions, um, could you take a minute to just talk about, uh, you know, what what brought you to covering uh, Penn State?
1: Uh, Sure, so I'll start with um, a little bit of a correction. You want to pronounce my name Ellie, like the Jewish people do. Um, And as per how I came to write for Relax Your Diaries, I actually was a commenter for a few years. I joined SB Nation in 2010 after a few years of commenting and kind of Writing on my own, the staff uh, extended an offer to write officially for the blog, and um, I've been writing for it ever since.
0: Excellent. Well, I apologize for the name stuff. Um, as I said, first first time on the podcast, so always uh, always a learning process here. Um, but uh, but yeah. So to to jump into it. You know, Penn State coming into what is a a very important season for Pat Chambers, for his staff, for the program in general. Um, But before we get to this year, um, if we can go, you know, back to the future a little bit here, jump into last season. Uh, I always like to start with a look back at the previous season before we move on. Um, Obviously, it was a disappointment. You know, certainly some fans had hoped that, you know, some signs would be shown, so to speak, the program moving in the right direction uh, unfortunately, Penn State ends up I, I believe going fifteen and eighteen overall uh yes, fifteen and eighteen overall, six and twelve in the big ten uh what What are your final thoughts on last season and sort of uh what what do you think it what 's going to carry over i guess uh into this season
1: it's, last season was very interesting because at the beginning of the season, right before any games were played most people with any um, investment in Penn State basketball predicted that they would probably be within the 15 to 18 win range. However, as the season progressed, what ended up happening is that you saw enough from the freshmen Tony Card or now Stevens and Mike Watkins to kind of expect more than what actually happened, even though everyone kind of agreed that the 15 win mark that they hit was going to be the realistic ceiling. Um, So, so, it it it's kind of a um a weird a weird thing is is kind of the opposite of what happened with the football team right the football team <laughs> didn't have any expectations and then they ended up winning the big 10 the basketball team didn't have any expectations but they looked so good that by the end of the season people expected more than the 6-12 conference record that they ended up having so that's, that's the disappointing part. They showed that they could do better. Now, what can carry over is the fact that all five starters are coming back. So any adjustments that they had to be made before by having three people new to the team, new to um, college basketball, that roadblock isn't there. And then you get depth that over the past six years, Chambers has been building and that that's is finally there. There's five big ten caliber starters, and then there are a solid three or four guys that can come in and give good minutes that will that are not going to be a liability. Many times, even last season, you have, were in a situation where
0: the team,
1: if Mike Watkins had to come off the floor for whatever reason you essentially had to hold your breath because you didn't know what would happen and now that experience and that death will carry forward to this season and hopefully um turn
0: out to be better overall Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for for me i i felt like Looking back at Penn State's season, you know, as I, I started previewing the Nittany Lions, I thought it was a an interesting year where you could easily read into it sort of what you want. Um, you could read into it that it was just a team that was really young and inconsistent that, you know, showed flashes but wasn't quite experienced enough um, and, frankly, just uh, good enough to maintain that on a night-to-night basis. I thought you could also make the argument that, you know, maybe – Penn State just wasn't that good. And, and, you know, the reason why they were inconsistent is just because of, uh, they again, maybe they weren't that good. Uh, I, I think you could read into both. I, I tend to think it's somewhere in the middle that, um, you know, maybe some people overrated those high points, underrated the low points. But overall, I, I tend to agree. I think it was a young team that, that showed some signs. And I think uh, they recorded seven wins against top 100 Ken Palm teams, which was a, a – three win increase over the year before Uh, they only had four such wins then. So I I think you can see there, there was some progress as far as the ability to compete against the quality opponents. But of course, last year was last year. Um, Now we're moving into this season. Uh, Normally I split up these sections, but with Penn state, uh, there aren't a lot of people walking out the door, but the team has a, a couple key departures, you know, specifically Peyton banks is probably the big one. Um, and they're adding uh, a few pieces as well. Um, what do you make of the departures? Uh, how significant are they for the Nittany Lions? And as well, what do you make of the newcomers to the roster?
1: Um, let me start with the departures because they're the easy ones. Two out of the three mm-hmm. departures were bench warmers who rarely saw the field. Uh, <laughs> no insult to them. Um, I'm sure they are going to have great seasons where they are. But at Penn State, they were at the point where they kind of knew that it just wasn't going to work out with the Nittany lions. Mm-hmm. So two of those three losses were probably addition by subtraction. Peyton banks was the, the biggest loss because he had that outside shooting ability that has Penn state has been um, looking for, for so long on their path chambers. However, the one thing that also leaves with Peyton Banks is the complete inability to play any defense. So in in, in essence, I think the three departures were if, – if Chambers hadn't replaced them with three other guys, it would have hurt
0: mm-hmm. in
1: terms of depth. But in terms of skill – there, There isn't much of a loss there because every time it, – it's kind of going back to that issue with um, every time one of the starters would go out, there would be a liability, right? Peyton Banks gave you the shooting, but then he'll let a team or uh, uh, an opposing player walk right by him and <laughs> score. So, So the departures, at least to me, are are not that big of a deal. Now, in terms of who's coming in, the biggest key is going to be Jamari Wheeler. He's a true point guard, who the rumor or the murmurs rather have have been pegged as as a clone of Tim Frazier. So very fast, yeah. very uh, good on defense, and the 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 biggest reason why he's important is that. He's a true backup to Tony Carr. Shep Garner had been kind of doing the backup duties for Tony Carr most of last season, and it, after a while, it started to show in his play that he couldn't handle both the one and the two at the same time. Having someone who's a dedicated backup to Tony Carr is going to benefit the team overall. The second um, key and then the newcomers is going to be John Harar. And that's just because Penn State has needed quality bigs as much as they needed three-point shooting. And um, if I remember correctly, reading in some of the um, Media Day's quotes, one of the things that jumped out to me is that Mike Watkins was asked about competition and he immediately mentioned John Harar as a guy who has been able to provide him with better practice minutes. So I wouldn't be surprised if down the stretch Harar actually ends up making a contribution to the team. And in terms of Trent Buttrick, as of right now, I don't have that much of a read on him. So if there were a redshirt candidate, just by default, I would say it's him. But mm-hmm.
0: you never know. Certainly, certainly, and I, generally speaking, I'm I'm with you as far as the departures and new additions. Um, two of the three departures, as you mentioned, really didn't contribute all that much. You know, it is a loss of depth. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, they're bringing in some bodies to replace those guys. So nothing to be alarmed with there. The only thing I, I would say that would concern me as far as the departures go is just that Banks was one of the team's better three-point shooters, which, uh, you know, maybe he gave gave up some of that on, on defense, as you mentioned. But, uh, you know, Penn State wasn't exactly an elite three-point shooting team last year. So uh, to lose one of your better shooters is obviously a concern. You know, maybe they'll be able to make that up in other areas, but uh, that's something I I would be watching for. Um, And the newcomers, the only one I wanted to touch on as well is that he technically isn't a newcomer, uh, but Satchel Pierce from Virginia Tech will be eligible this year up front, um, transfer big man. I don't expect him to work his way into the starting lineup, but I think he could add some useful uh, bench minutes and and maybe help the team shot blocking ability. So um, I, I, if I was fans, uh, that's maybe a guy I would keep an eye on as well. But so we, you know, we hit on last year, we hit on, you know, who's out the door, who's coming in. Um, Let's, let's get into this year's team. (laughs) Uh, Let's start with, you know, as fans prepare to come into the season, uh, what should they be excited about the most? What should be they, concerned about the most uh what what are you optimistic about and I guess what are you concerned about coming into this season um,
1: right now i'm the thing that I'm concerned the most with is that everybody has already pegged Penn State as the surprise theme of the season and just <laughs> by my nature I am now completely afraid that they're not going to really be the surprise team of the season and they're just going to be the same thing that they've always been. They're, they'll hover around um, somewhere between being really bad and being really good and probably end somewhere in the middle. That's my area of concern. Um, and that will stem from, from two things, right? If the lessons that the team learned last season – don't translate into, these, into this season specifically and they start making the same mistakes that they did a season ago, then by virtue of having an easy, easier schedule, they might improve, but they might not look better. So, so that's, my, that's my concern, that everyone is, expects them to be better, but they don't actually turn out to be better, even if they have a better record. Now, in,
0: mm-hmm. in
1: terms of excitement, what I'm excited about is that the roles for each player have been defined in a way that they had never been defined before. Chambers has always just had a group of scrappy guys who get on the floor and they do their best, They'll play as good a defense as they can, and then, you know, if the ball goes in on offense, it goes in. But now, you have you have death at the one. You have death at the two. Shep Garner knows his role for this season. He knows that he doesn't have to bring the ball in. He knows that all he has to do is focus on the three-point shot. And if you look back at the games in the Bahamas, he actually averaged 50% from three. Only two games and competition has to be taken under account, but still, 50% over two games is not uh, something to be ignored, right? Mm. Nazir Bostic is healthy. He had to leave um, or he had to, like, sit out a good portion of last season with a hand injury. He looks good. He is... um, in the mold of Josh Reeves, just an annoying person to play against on defense. He knows his role as well. And you mentioned Satchel Pierce. He has emerged as someone who is a quality backup to Mike Watkins. That is another thing that I am excited about. I'm excited to be able to breathe again when Mike Watkins goes off the floor because I know that there's somebody who, even if He doesn't turn out to be as good as Watkins. He at least won't be a liability when he's on the floor. So my area of concern is that maybe they don't get over the hump, really. But my area of excitement is that everybody's role is defined perfectly this season. And if they stick to their roles, they should be very good.
0: Fair enough fair enough uh for for me as far as uh optimism i i think generally speaking uh i I think it's you know at least from the the bird's eye view, as you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, you know this is a team that brings back you know four to five starters depending on how you you kind of count those guys but uh four to five starters, including what i i would say probably the top three maybe maybe the top four, but probably at least the top three guys on the team, a lot of them are really young, you know, Carr, Stevens, Watkins, all with freshman eligibility last season. So you're talking about just from the, the bird's eye view here, I mean, there's a lot of young players who are getting older, getting more experienced and um, on paper should make substantial improvements um, specifically in the backcourt, you know, potentially adding depth with Wheeler as well. You know, Carr has a chance to be a top 10 player in the Big Ten if if all goes well. Uh, You know, Watkins is another guy with a lot of potential. I I think you have to uh, look at this team on paper and think, you know, they could be a real player uh, depending on how some of these guys develop. However, you know, on the other side, uh, the the shooting still concerns me. I don't, uh, as you mentioned, you know, maybe Garner can develop a little bit there or become a little more consistent, but... I think uh, that that has to be a concern in in today's game. You know, if you're a team that that can't shoot really well from outside, it's going to be a a challenge um, on a nightly basis. And I I think the other thing, too, which uh, may may be the the most annoying uh, criticism, but um, I I do wonder, you know, how quickly are some of these guys going to improve? Um, How much can they still improve? you know, we've seen there's a long, long list of players who are really good freshmen who just turn into so-so Big Ten players. And I'm I'm not saying these guys will necessarily do that. You know, I I think, as I mentioned, Carr could be one of the Big Ten's best players. And, you know, guys like Stevens and Watkins still have room to grow. But, you know, it it is something you you do have to wonder about. And, you know, as well, I, I hate to bring it up, but, um, you have to wonder how much Chambers is going to get out of the team. You know, he's, he's had talented players before and, you know, maybe not quite lived up to the hype uh, then. You know, maybe, again, it's a little unfair to hold all of that against him. But uh, it is something I, I would be concerned about. But overall, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to like uh, coming into this season. But uh, so we t- we talked about, you know, some of the things to be excited about, some of the things to be concerned about. Um, let's jump into the the schedule here for a second. Um, Penn State has what I think on paper looks like a pretty manageable slate. They're going to be favored in just about every non-conference game coming to the season. Um, Ken, Ken Palm actually has them favored in every non-conference game, with most of them being, uh, you know, above 70%. So, I mean, they're looking good to put together a really good non-con record. Um, did you have any with, uh Specific reference to the non-conference schedule. Um, Any reactions (laughs) or thoughts? (laughs) Their schedule is terrible.
1: It is. (laughs) And and I understand. I understand why their schedule is what it is, right? The Mm -hmm. the Big Ten had to shift some things around to make the tournament at Madison Square happen. Penn State is not a team or a program, rather, with the the, the cash to just demand teams to work around their um, shortcomings, right? So you're mm-hmm. left with, you know, whatever you can get. You get the non-conference schedule that is uh, probably as, as good as, uh, um, of a guarantee as you're going to get in terms of getting <laughs> at least 10 wins, right? Um, mm-hmm. The only game that concerns me is one that Kempon doesn't even list because we don't know it yet, and that's mm-hmm. in um, the Legends Classic. Once they play Pitt, a team that is by all projections going to be absolutely horrible. They might get either Oklahoma <laughs> State or Texas A and M, right? So mm-hmm. you you get to one of those, and then you have a chance of actually getting a challenge from a team. If they get Texas A and M, it's going to be from a ranked team, right? Um, Oklahoma mm-hmm. State might actually be ranked themselves by that point. So so th- there is there is opportunity there. Um, NC State might turn out to be a decent team, probably not going to be a good team, but decent road win, if anything. But the other 10, 11-ish, if you count George Washington as a decent opponent or George Mason, right, the Georges, as Uh I call them. If you count the Georges as decent, (laughs) you have at least nine games against terrible teams that are essentially going to be glorified practices for the team. (laughs) So it's going to be plenty of opportunity for them to actually get really, really working on any of the deficiencies from last season, right? If we see another Mm -hmm. Albany with any of these opponents, and for those listening, Albany was the opening game that Penn State lost, and Albany was not a good team. If we see another one of those, then we know there's trouble. However, if we start seeing Penn State really put these themes away early, you know that we're we're in business essentially. But the the other problem with that is that with a schedule as bad as they do have, it really puts the pressure on the Big Ten plate because they're not if they if they find themselves in the NCAA tournament conversation at the end of the season, it's not going to be because of the non-conference schedule.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I certainly tend to agree as far as the schedule goes. You know, I, I think this has a couple games that will have a, a little bite, but I mean, most of them certainly do not. Uh, As you mentioned, and as we brought up before, I mean, they're going to be a huge favorite in the vast majority of these games. Very few look challenging on paper. The NC State one should be a little interesting because it's on the road. And then we'll have to see what happens in, um, what is it, the Legends Classic in... Uh, Brooklyn. Okay. in New York, I was going to say New York uh, with Pitt and then maybe Texas A&M or Oklahoma State. But other than that, I mean, it, it, it would be tough if Penn State finishes with anything under 10 wins. Certainly the season's going to look rough. I would be pretty surprised if they finished with less than 11. I would think they're going to cruise in, in most of these games. So uh, good and bad. But a, a, as you said, I, I think it could certainly be a hindrance when they get to selection Sunday if they're in NCAA tournament contention, just because they probably won't have a ton of great RPI wins. But, um, but with that, you know, I, I won't ask you to dive through the entire Big Ten slate just because we generally know what to expect. Uh, but there are some challenging games. You know, they have a road game at Michigan State. Maryland is one of the double plays. Um, Minnesota, I believe, is a second double play. Um, well, any thoughts on the, the Big Ten schedule here?
1: You know, this Big Ten schedule is a little harder than last season's, um, mainly because the, the double plays for Penn State are, are a mix of, themes of, of teams that shouldn't be contending for the Big Ten championship, but they're not terrible. However, the, the blessing that Penn State got is that out of their nine road games, two of them are Purdue and Michigan State. Those are teams that, as of today, right, I would peg them as losses. So if you're going to be losses, may as well be road losses, and that way you can get some of the other teams more at their level at home. So so that, that's that's one thing. And then on the... On the double place, uh Minnesota actually is a home only. So yeah, the was way say, it worked that out, out <laughs> Yeah. So the the way it worked out it it out of the top four teams um projected, right? There's Northwestern, Minnesota, Michigan State, and Purdue, they get two of them on the road, one of them at home, and they only get to play Northwestern twice out of the projected top four teams. So the schedule actually In in generality speaking, it's a little tougher just because everyone, like if Penn State is um, at the level where they're going to take that next step, all of their double plays except for Ohio State, but even then you can make an argument, our teams are at their level. All of their single plays, broke out in such a way that the toughest games of the season period also happened to be on the road. So, so there is, there is opportunity there, even, even with the schedule being slightly tougher, there is opportunity for Penn State to, to take advantage of how the, the, the season shook out. Um, Another, another benefit that they have is that they actually only have two back-to-back road games, whereas, some teams have three road games in a row. Penn State, had, it somehow it worked out that the majority of their season, they're splitting road and home games. So it's there's no single stretch that is unmanageable for Penn State. And I think that's what's going to make the biggest difference in the season.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't really realize that until uh, you mentioned it, but – yeah, I mean, they, they don't really have a, the back-to-back road games, which a lot of teams end up getting, you know, three out of four, stuff like that. Penn State really is going to avoid that this season, which is good news for the uh, Nittany Lions. I I think the, the Big Ten slate is certainly manageable. I, I think ultimately, uh, which maybe it's a little bit of a cop-out, it's going to depend on what, what the team does. If they live up to the hype, you know, it, it's pretty manageable. If they don't, there's a, there's a lot of losable games just because – You know, Big Ten plays always a battle uh, night to night. So that will be interesting to follow. Uh, The next section I I like to ask about, I'm sure this will probably be pretty quick, but I like to just ask about, you know, what your projection is for the starting lineup. I assume it's pretty easy with so many guys returning, um, but any thoughts on the lineup? Any thoughts on uh, where you're going to be watching the most?
1: Um, So four of the five are set in stone. Tony Carr, Lamar Stevens, Mike Watkins, Josh Reeves are four starters. Now, in the Bahamas, we saw Shep Garner coming out of the bench. He played as many minutes as Tony Carr did, but he was coming off the bench. So that might be a wrinkle to see. Um, I project Garner to still be the starter, coming into the season, but if you see him coming off the bench, don't be too surprised because they've already done that um, this summer. So, and the next three beyond uh, those five, I would say in order are going to be Nazir Bostick, Satchel Pierce, and Jamari Wheeler. So that, that would be the top eight in my opinion, coming into the, into the season.
0: Mhm yeah i mean i I think the uh the top four, as you mentioned, are basically locks. I don't think there's gonna be any drama at all there. I think uh Gardner as well will will start in my opinion um uh, maybe that changes over the course of the season and i I think really the only interesting part as far as the lineup goes is um how how maybe the front court minutes are dispersed. I'll be interested to see that six specifically, excuse me, um, what Pierce can do. Can he work himself into 15 to 20 minutes, or is he going to be more uh, or a lot closer to 10 minutes? I think that'll be a, a key part to the season, um, specifically because you always want to rotate the big men uh, in case of foul trouble. So um, that'll, that'll yeah, be something to I will, watch. I, um,
1: I want to point out one thing because I am actually feeling bad for him a little bit. So Julia Moore... <laughs> I have yet to mention him, and it's not by design um he actually it came out after the season that Julian was actually playing injured, so a lot of the of the play that you saw that at the time most of us were attributing it to just him being ineffective was actually because he was injured and he actually had um surgery at the end of the season and had to sit out the entire uh, Bahamas trip because of it. So while I didn't mention him until now, I actually do expect him to contribute. Now that you mentioned the distribution of the um, minutes of the bigs. So I I do expect him to contribute. I expect him to be more effective than she looked last season. And my hope is that he has the kind of senior jump guys like Brandon Taylor and uh, Jordan Dickerson had before him. And he goes from being kind of an afterthought to someone who can really make a difference. Um, But I do believe that he will contribute uh, a good chunk of minutes uh, this season.
0: Yeah, that's a a good point. I, I think he will certainly play as well and uh it'll be interesting to watch sort of the dynamic between him Pierce and uh um obviously the the two big men at Stevens and Watkins who are likely to start. Um but okay, so the we we got through most of the stuff. Let's get to the fun part. Um season predictions. What do you expect out of the Nittany Lions? Where are they in the Big 10? Um do they make the postseason? If they do, where do they make it? How far do they go? Um, and uh, af- after that, you know, what, assuming you, you think they're going to do something, uh, whatever that is, um, what, what do you think that that means uh, as far as Pat Chambers goes?
1: I have three scenarios laid out. Scenario <laughs> number one, going to go from worst to best. Scenario number one, for some reason, things just don't click for the team. And they look just as bad, if not worse, than last season. You, we kind of hit on this earlier. If they don't win at least 10 or 11 games in the non-conference, that probably would be the reality we'll be living in. They'll end up with maybe 16, 17 wins. They miss the postseason, and that'll be Pat Chambers' last season as a Penn State head coach. Scenario number two is you get your natural progression of simply having an experienced team returning all of their starters leads to better play by default. Not too much improvement, just a factor of experience. I expect if that is the case, we'll see a 9-9 conference record. We will see maybe a 10-3 Ten, non-conference season, nice NIT bid, uh, hopefully a run there, excuse me, and um, Chambers gets another year to make it or break it, essentially. And mm-hmm. scenario number three is the experience is good, but their actual team improves. Tony Carr starts making better decisions late in games with the ball. Chet Garner becomes the sharp shooter we all expect him to be. Pierce and Watkins complement each other at the center position. Josh Reeves works on his three-point shot, which he did last season. He actually improved by like 30%, something crazy, and becomes a solid outside shooter as well as a lockdown defender, and then Lamar Stevens makes the next step in his progression. If all of those things happen and the team looks completely unified, locked in, and ready to go, I can see a 13-5 conference season with as much as an undefeated non-conference season and they're squarely in the tournament. those are those are my two scenarios
0: yeah i i could i mean i i think they're certainly all on the table and you know i i talked about this early on the podcast i'm not sure if you had called in or not at that point but uh yeah i mean this this team could be absolutely at the top of the league in contention for a top four seed in the big 10 tournament it also could just as easily be on the bubble for the NIT. I think there's a huge potential swing uh for the Nittany Lions this season. Um I'm a little more skeptical on this team just because I uh I I just We've I have some doubts corn. about how <laughs> um yeah, I mean I, I have some doubts on how everything's gonna fit together and I, I really do think um a, as I said, I, I think last year there were some signs, but I, I think maybe they were a little bit overrated, um, meaning that uh, usually what you do is, you know, when a program progresses is, you know, you recruit well, um, you see some signs in a season, but you don't really win games. And then the next season you, you start flipping some of those close losses to wins, you know, sort of the, the escalator of improvement. Um, I, I thought they were a little bit further down on the escalator than I think uh some of the national people thought uh, my own opinion. Um, So I I still have them towards the the lower end of the big 10, but I do think they're going to win the vast majority of the non-con games as we talked about. And I think they will be uh, in a lot of tight games and it's really, it's going to come down to, you know, how do they do against, you know, a Nebraska on a given night, how do they do against an Illinois? Because I mean, if they could have just improved their consistency last season they would have been in right there for an NIT bid. So I think that's one it's going to come down to. Um, I, I really think they're still a year away from serious contention, but, you know, it's certainly possible with the, with the talent they have. But um, with that though, uh, I will ask uh, two, two final questions for you tonight before we let you go first, um, any final thoughts on Penn state, on the big 10, on anything. Um, and then uh, secondly, uh, where can people check out your stuff?
1: Um, final thoughts. Uh, I will say this is going to be a fun season regardless of results because either, A, Penn State will be really good and we get to enjoy a good team, or, B, Pat Chambers will get fired. That, <laughs> there, there's that. Um, and in the Big Ten in particular, I think if you remove Michigan State from the equation, this is also going to be a very close Big Ten season, and I wouldn't be surprised if some team that is not the one I root for comes out of nowhere and ends up pulling a Minnesota. I'm hoping it is the team that I root for, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's something somebody else too. As for uh, where to check my work, um, you go on BlackShoeDiaries.com and uh, just uh, browse around. You'll see my name, Ellie Moretta Feliz, pasted all over the place. If you go to the basketball section, you'll see all of our basketball content. We've been previewing the basketball team, player-by-player um, player previews, ten previews, season previews, all of that good stuff for the past month. So, if you're really interested in uh, knowing more about Penn State basketball, Black Shoe Diaries is the
0: place to be. Hmm. Well, thanks for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. No problem. <laughs> thanks. Um, as a as a brief reminder, to everyone, that was uh, Ellie from Black Shoe Diaries. Strongly recommend checking out their stuff if you're into Penn State football, basketball. Just interested in what's going on there. Um, highly recommend checking them out. But with that, I'm going to call it a night. I'm Thomas Bendit. You can follow me on Twitter at t bendit. Check out the site. Our Penn State preview is live and active. We have more previews coming. There's tons and tons of words uh, there for your consumption if you're a Hoops fan. So check that out. Otherwise, we will see you guys next time. Thanks.